Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Welcome to Fresh Encounter, the radio ministry of Lifelong Anointing Church. Our mission as a church is to equip the body of Christ to increase in wisdom and in stature, and in favor with God and with men. We're glad that you joined us for this edition of the broadcast. It is our prayer that this broadcast will be a blessing to you. Here now is Pastor Otuno with today's message. How David survived the waiting period. What he did while he was waiting for the promise of the Almighty God. Many of us who have been to church one day or, you know, even just for a very limited time, you will know the story of David and Goliath. We all, everybody knows how David was called. We know how Prophet Samuel, you know, anointed him when God rejected King Saul. We know how David was brought into the, te- brought into the presence of the king to begin to minister to the king. We know how he defeated Goliath after Goliath made a lot of noise. We knew how Saul became very jealous and started pursuing David, wanting to kill him. We saw how David, you know, we know how David ran away and how David eventually hid himself from Saul until eventually Saul died and he ascended the throne. So we must understand and remember, uh, remember that while David was waiting for the promise of God, while David was busy running away from the presence of Saul, David understood one thing. You will understand that David continued his regular routine. One of the things that David did was he continued his regular routine. The Bible said that after he was anointed, he went back to keeping his father's sheep. In other words, the fact that you have received the promise of God does not mean that you abandon the things that you are doing and you are sitting down and you are waiting for God to drop, to drop the ministry in your lap. You are not going to sit down and say, I'm just going to drop the business in your lap. You go back to your regular routine and do what you are doing because success in life is a function of what happens in your daily routine. So we see, when David was waiting for the promise of God, he went back into his regular routine. Number two, he started developing his skills. David was not just sitting down there looking at the sheep. The Bible says that while he was doing that, he was developing his skill. He developed his skill as a hunter. He developed his skill as a shepherd. He developed his skill as a musician. He developed his skill as a, as a, as a hymn writer. He developed his skill as a writer of the Psalms. You will find out that while David was waiting for the fulfillment of the promise of God for his life, he was busy developing his skills. And there are so many people who know that God has given them something. God has called them to do something. But they are waiting for the time that that thing will be fulfilled before they start doing anything. That is a big mistake. You do not wait until you see the day where God is taking you before you start preparation. David knew that the anointing of God was upon his life. That he was going to be the next king after Saul. And in the process, while he was waiting for the time to ascend that particular throne, the Bible told us that he continued to develop his skill. Not only that, David began to deploy his, his skills. You will remember when he confronted Goliath. The Bible tells us that when he was facing Goliath and Saul was telling him that you could not do it. He said that there was a bear that came. There was a lion that came. I killed them. I'm going to kill the same person. In other words, I have experience in dealing with opposition. I have experience in dealing with the things that are challenging. I have experience in making sure that anything that confronts me that wants to stand in the way of the fulfillment of God's promise in my life, I know how to deal with them. So don't worry. I know how to fight this battle. So David not only went to his normal routine, he not only developed his skill, he also deployed that particular skill. Not only that, David learned the act of war in the process of waiting for the promise of God. 
He was not just sitting down there and say, well, God has said I'm going to get there. Nothing will happen to me. The enemy can finish you even before you get to where you're going. The enemy can make sure that the promise of God is aborted in your life if you don't take time. And David understood that. David learned the art and the strategy of war. He knew how to fight. He knew what it means to fight. He knew how to make sure that his enemy do not cut off or abort the promise of God for his life. David, while he was waiting for the promise of God, learned the art of war. Not only that, David learned how to fight and win the battles of life. There is a difference between fighting and there is a difference between fighting and winning. There are people who get involved in fight and they get blooded, they are beaten and they are, and they are defeated all the time. But there are people who fight strategic warfare. They fight so that they can win. David learned how to fight and win the battles of life. Bible makes us to understand that there were several opportunities that David had to be able to kill Saul, but he never did. He understood that you do not touch the anointed of the Almighty God, even if that anointed has already backslidden. He understood that there are certain things that you need to do. You need to be able to ally with your enemy so that when you are strengthened, that's when you fight. That's why he was, he was able to join with the Philistines to be able to make sure that, yes, he's protected. David learned the art of war, but David also learned how to fight and to win in battle. But one of the things that David did exceptionally well when he was waiting for the promise of the Almighty God was that David, yeah, we see that in the book of 1 Samuel chapter 21, 1 Samuel chapter 21, reading from verse number 1. The Bible tells us something that David did that no other king in Israel was able to do. This was what set David apart. In 1 Samuel chapter 20, Samuel 22, reading from verse number 1, the Bible says, David therefore departed thence and escaped to the cave Adullam. And when his brethren and all his father's house heard it, they went down unto, they went down hither to him. And everyone that was distressed, everyone that was in debt, everyone that was discontented, gathered themselves unto him. And he became a captain over them. And there, and there were we, and there were with him about 400 men. What is this? Basically what you are seeing, in other words, what you find is that while David was running away from Saul, while David was hiding from Saul, while David was waiting for the fulfillment of the promise of God, David understood that he could not run alone. He understood that if you are going to go to where God wants you to go, you cannot do it alone. David understood that while waiting from the promise of the Almighty God, you need to enlist the support of other people. You need to build a team. And that was what he did. So apart from doing his regular routine, apart from developing his own skill, apart from deploying his skill, apart from learning the art of war, apart from learning how to fight and win, he also learned how to build a team. Because that was the only thing that he knew was going to strengthen him to be able to win the battle. The Bible makes us understand that the people who were hot and who were lame and all the people who were discontented, they came and he became their captain. In other words, David... While he was while he was waiting for the promise of God, understood that God's that the promise of God will be fulfilled in your life. If the promise of God is going to be fulfilled in your life, you need partners. You need men and women who will stand right, right next to you. You need people who will lift up your hands. You need individuals who will cause you to be able to stand and be better positioned to receive the promise of the Almighty God. You need to build a team. And that was what he did while he was running away you know, from the wrath and the anger and the jealousy of King Saul. 
He understood that while the promise of God was often very specific to an individual, he knew that sometimes it takes the help of other people to fulfill the promise that God has given unto you. While God may give you an assignment, David understood that you need a team to be able to accomplish that particular assignment. And because he understood that, the Bible told us that he wrote it in the book of Psalm 68. In Psalm 68 verse number 11, the Bible says, The Lord gave the word. In other words, he calls one person. He said, but great is the company of those who publish it. In other words, you are the person that received the assignment. You are the one that the Lord Almighty has called. But he gives other people the opportunity to be able to work with you. So great is the company of those who publish the word that the Lord God Almighty gives to you. The question then is, what is a team? What is a team? And how do you build them? A team is a group of individuals working together towards a set objective. A team is a group of individuals working together to achieve a common goal. In other words, we are all going in a particular direction. We all want to be able to get to a particular destination. And we have made up our mind that we are going to work together to be able to get to where we are going. That's what a team is all about. And all through the Bible, you will see individuals that build teams to achieve the goal that God has set for them to accomplish in that particular generation. We saw a man like Joseph. The Bible says that Joseph because of his dream of interpretation, the great the ability to be able to interpret and see the vision, the Bible said that he built a team to be able to preserve the, uh, the, to preserve the, 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 the harvest of the years of plenty so that in the time of famine, they were not going to be in danger. They, uh, Joseph built that particular team. You are not going to be under any illusion and think that Joseph did all this thing alone in Egypt. No. He needed people and he built the team to do it. Bible makes us to understand that when the wall of Jerusalem was broken down and Nehemiah heard about it, the Bible said he built a team. There was a team that was praying, there was a team that was building. And while they were building, they had the sword in one hand and they were walking with the other hand. He built a team that was able to secure the city of Jerusalem at that time. And we know the example, the ultimate example of all team building, which was our Lord Jesus Christ. For when he came onto the earth, he understood that unless he went, unless he developed the people, unless he called men to himself, the message will be limited to where he was. And what did he do? He built a team so that the team turned the whole world upside down. You need a team to be able to fulfill whatever God has promised to do in your life. You may be asking, why do I need to build a team? Why waiting for the promise of the Almighty God? Why do I need a team in my own life? Why do I need a team in my family? Why do I need a team to do the things that God wants me to do? Number one reason why you need a team is because you there is a limitation of one person. You are just one person. You are not omnipresent. Okay? You cannot be everywhere at the same time. As much as I would love to have presence in several places, it's not possible. Except for the media that we are beginning to have, where people can tune into us from all over the world, it is not possible for me to be physically present everywhere. And that is why you need a team. Number two, you need a team because you need to multiply your effectiveness. When you are good at something, and you have a group of people that you are, that are good the same way, you can pour yourself into their life so that they can go all over the place and multiply that particular effectiveness. That's why you need a team. You need a team to be able to leverage opportunity. When there is an opportunity somewhere, and you have a team that can help you, even if you are not there, they can do exactly the same thing. Not only that, you need a team to be able to compensate for your weakness. You are not good in everything. It is not possible. You know your limitation. I know my limitation. There are some things I know how to do. There are some things I don't know how to do. When you have a team, you will be able to compensate for that particular weakness because somebody in that team will know how to do that thing. Number four, whatever number I am right now, why do you need a team? You need a team to be able to expand your reach. 
Because the better you are in a particular area, the more other people will begin to, the more people you, the people in your team will be able to reach other places where you cannot reach. They'll be able to expand your influence. They'll be able to expand your reach. They'll be able to expand your, your, you know, your vision to, to, to various places that you are not able to get to. Why do you need your, why do you need a team? You need a team to be able to enlarge your productivity. In other words, when you are good at doing something, if two people are good at doing something, they will produce more than just one person. If three people are doing it, then they will produce more. If four people are doing it, if the whole five people are doing it, you will begin to see the multiplier effect. It becomes an exponential result when you build a team, an effective team. That's why you do it. And then why do you build a team? I think it's number seven now. is to confront the challenges of life. Whether you like it or not, challenges will come in life. Whether you like it or not, there will be time when you are going to be in the valley. There will be time when your soul will be, you know, when your soul will be heavy. You need individuals who will lift up your hands. You need individuals who will pray for you. You need individuals who will continue to encourage you. You need individuals who will be able to tell you that yes, tomorrow will be better. You need individuals who will be able to show you that the clouds will pass and the sunlight is going to show up. So why do you build a team? You build a team so that you can confront challenges together. And that's why the Bible says that two are better than one. Because if one falls, the other one will be able to lift him up. That's why you cannot travel this journey alone. And you see these benefits in the life of David. The Bible tells us in First Chronicles chapter 11. If you read First Chronicles chapter 11, reading from verse number 10, the Bible says, Now these are the head of the mighty men whom David had, who strengthened themselves with him in his kingdom, with all Israel, to make him king, according to the word of the Lord concerning Israel. In other words, the Lord Almighty was the one that called him. The Bible is saying that there are people who made it possible for David to be able to fulfill or to realize the promise that God gave him. In other words, as good as David was, as much as the anointing of God upon his life, David could never have been able to do it alone without the support of all these people. And the Bible is saying that these are the men that made it possible for David to be able to walk that journey, for David to be able to make that particular trip from where he was to where God wanted it to be. And if you read the whole chapter 11 of that chapter 11 of 1st Chronicle, you will see the names of these individuals, the mighty men of David and their exploits, how they fought, the lands that they conquered, and the things that they did to be able to make sure that David was secured in his place. And one thing you will notice in scripture concerning King David and King Saul is that David had David had what we call mighty men, but Saul never had any mighty man. You read the scriptures. When they list, they say, these are the mighty men of David. You begin to talk about Benaiah. You begin to talk about Joab. You begin to talk about Nathan. You begin to talk about the people that were surrounding him. There was a list of all the people that David had surrounding him. There were men who were better than him. There were men who were instructed. There were men who understood what they were supposed to do. And David relied on these people to be able to build the kingdom. But you find Saul didn't have those kind of people. And that was why the kingdom of Saul was not enduring. So you read the Bible about the mighty men of David because David understood that you need other people in your life when you are waiting for the promise of God. And David's ability to build a team of mighty men set him apart from the rest of all the kings in Israel. Okay? Now please understand that not everybody will be able to, you know, that you come across while waiting from the promise of God can help you get to where you're going. Not everybody. There are some people that God puts in your life so that you can learn how not to do certain things. There are some people that God puts in your life just for a particular season. There are some people that God puts in your life for a long-term season. There are some people that God puts in your life to remain with you from now until, you know, until the Lord says it's over. 
But one thing you must understand is that not everybody will help you get to your promised land. Not everybody. Not every team will make you to see the fulfillment of the promise of God. In fact, some people are very toxic in your life. Very, very toxic. The closer you are to them, the, the chances of your promises being fulfilled becomes diminished. There are people who will kill the vision of God for your life. And some of you have heard me say it several times here. I say, how far you will travel in life is a function of the people that you are traveling with. If you are traveling with the people who are athletic, you will move very fast. If you are traveling with people who see the same vision, you will move very fast. If you are traveling with people who are not who are not burdened with all sorts of baggages, you will move very fast. But if you are traveling with people with a lot of baggages, my brother, my sister, you are not going to travel very fast. And you may not even get to where you are going. So how far you travel in life is a function of the people that you are traveling with. And so please understand, not everyone you can partner with will take you to your promised land. Then the question is, who are the kind of people that will help you fulfill the promise of God for your life? Who are these kind of people? What kind of team can you get involved with? What kind of team can you join that will help you get to where you are going? That will help you fulfill the vision of God for your life? That will help you to be able to realize what God is saying about you or where God is taking you to? Who are these kind of people? You must understand, if you study the life of David very well, you will understand that the people that God put in his life, the people that he partnered with, the people that became part of his team, the people that were part of his inner caucus, number one, they were a team of people who are nurturing and empowering. They nurtured the vision of David. They knew God and anointed him. They empowered him to be able to fulfill that vision. Number two, they were resourceful and responsive. In other words, there was a particular time when David was thirsting for the water of Jerusalem or where. And as he was thirsting for that particular water, some of his men went across the enemy line, brought the water to him and gave it to him. He said, never will I drink this water because I'll be drinking the soul of this man. He poured the water down as an offering. These were resourceful men. These were responsive men. If you want to join any team, if you want to align with anybody, if you want to bring yourself closer into relationship with anybody while you are waiting for the promise of the almighty God remember that that person must be responsive must be responsive and must be resourceful you don't want to sit with somebody who cannot think you don't want to sit with people who don't know what to do you want to move with people who are responsive to the need of that time you also have people David also had people who were dedicated and loyal people who knew that when they gave their word, they stood by that particular word. People who were who have committed themselves to making sure that the promise of God that they knew concerning the life of David was going to come to pass. And these were the people that you want to relate with. People who are dedicated to you. People who are loyal to you. People who see you as important. People who know that yes, what is good for you is good for them also. These are the people that you want to align yourself with. Who are the people that will take you to your promised land? The people with character and competence. What I mean by character is that these are people who their word mean their word. What you see outside is what you see inside. They are men of character. They are men of honor. They are men of integrity. These are the people you want to align with. And not only that, they are men of competence. You can have a lot of good character and you are just dumb and stupid. You don't want that kind of people around you. They might be very, very honest, but they don't know how to do anything. They might be very, very honest, but they don't know how to even fix the tire of a car if you have a flat tire on the highway. Okay? You need competence. The Bible says study yourself to be, study to make yourself approved. A workman that needs not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. In other words, you need to know what you are doing. If you are a carpenter, you should be good. You should be competent at it. If you are a teacher, you should be competent at it. If you, whatever you are doing, competence is required. So you need men and women who not only have integrity, but also know what they are doing. Apart from character and competence, you need people who are energized and motivated. 
People who are who are ready to go, people who are ready to walk, people who are ready to, you know, to, to get into action, men and women who are energized and motivated. When you have this kind of people in that particular team, you find out that it's easy for you to travel. It's easy for you to get to where you're going. It's easy for you, and they don't have to be so many people. You first of all start with your own family. You make sure you partner with the right person in marriage. You partner with the right person in relationship. You partner with the right person in your family. You make sure that you begin to have people who have your back. People who are loyal. People who are char- who have character. People who know what they are doing. These are the people that will take you to where the Lord Almighty is taking you. The question then is how do you build that team? How do you build that team? Number one, you build that team very, very patiently. You build the team very patiently. You do not force cohesion. In other words, you don't force people to like you. If the man does not like you, there's nothing you can do about it. If he doesn't want to walk with you, there's nothing you can do about it. And that is why when you are building the team that will take you to where God wants you to go, you need to build it patiently. You need also to build that particular team, realizing that this, the, 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 the cohesion of a team, the working together of a team takes a while. It took 15 years from about at least, at least around 15 years before between the time that David got the anointing from Samuel and the time he ascended the throne. It took about 15 years. It took about three years for the Lord Jesus Christ to build a team of disciples before he was before he, before he went to the cross. It takes a while to build people to work together. It takes a while. If you want it to happen overnight, you are setting yourself up for failure. So when you want to build a team, you know that you can only build a winning team patiently. You build a winning team deliberately. In other words, you choose the members deliberately. You know what you want. You know where you are going. And you begin to pick the people individually that will fit into the grand scheme of game that will take you where you are going. You build the team deliberately. You build the team prayerfully. The Bible says that before the Lord Jesus Christ called, before the Lord Jesus Christ began to call the disciples to himself, if you read the book of Mark chapter 3, uh, Mark chapter 3, I think in verse number 13, the Bible says he went onto the mountain and after he had prayed, he began to call the people unto himself. In other words, the Lord Almighty gave him a list of people that were going to work with him. He knew them, he had already seen them in the spirit and that was why he told Nathaniel, he said, before you came, I already saw you. So he knew the people. You do not choose your team haphazardly. You choose your team prayerfully. Not only that, you choose your team strategically. In other words, you bring people who will fulfill a long-term objective. This is the direction of God I'm going. These are the things that I need for that particular journey, and I need an individual to be able to bring it in. And that's why when you see David, David was picking people, was bringing people into his team, people who will help him get there. And you will find out that that team stayed with David on to the very end. Even when Absalom rebelled against him, it was that particular team that gave him the victory. It was that same Joab that was able to bring him back into Jerusalem. You need a team. You build a team strategically. You don't just build a team because you need to have people around you. And then finally, you build a team purposefully. What is the goal that you are trying to achieve? What is the Lord telling you to accomplish? Which way is the Lord taking you? You need people who will be aligned to that particular purpose. And you build that team purposefully. The question that is always interesting to me is this. If this team, if working with people is so good, if working with so people is so advantageous, the question is why, do we, why don't we build teams? Why is it very difficult for people to build teams? Why is it very difficult for people to align with other people? Why is it very difficult for people to partner with each other and say, okay, I am going in this direction. I see that your direction is facing my own. Let's travel together. Why is it very difficult for people to partner to partner with other people when they are waiting for the promise of God? I tell you, the first reason why people find it very difficult to partner with other people is because of fear of betrayal. If I tell you all the things that God is taking me, that God is doing for me, I'm, I'm afraid that you are stabbing me. You are going to stab me in the back. 
I used to have a friend who said that when I build my team, I'll make sure it's all, it's just 11. Say, why 11? Say, because I already eliminated my Judas. Because by the time you pick 12, you have a Judas in there. So I'm only going to pick 11 so that I will eliminate my Judas. The point I'm making is that when you are afraid of betrayal, you will never partner with anybody. When you are afraid that somebody's going to stab you in the back, you will never partner with anybody. When you are afraid that somebody's going to sabotage you, you will never partner with anybody. When you are afraid of disappointment, you will never partner with anybody. When you are afraid of abandonment, you will never partner with anybody. When you are afraid that somebody is going to walk against you, you are never going to partner with anybody. When you are afraid of commitments, because one thing you must understand is that when we talk about team, we're always talking about the members of the team committing to the leader. But the leader must also commit himself to the members. It's a two-way street. If you are afraid of commitment, you will never be able to build a team. Because commitment will take you. Commitment will mean that I will do what I need to do for your good. Just like you will do what you need to do for my own good. It's an exchange. If you are afraid to commit yourself, you will never be able to partner with anybody. If you are afraid of rejection, you will never be able to partner with anybody. Because you don't want them to say no. You are afraid for them to say no. Then you will never be able to partner with them. Because life, there's a reason why there's a word no in the, in the dictionary. There's a reason. Because you can't say yes all the time. People cannot always say yes all the time. And if you're afraid of hearing the word no, if you're afraid of, of rejection, you will never be able to build a team. You will never be able to partner with anybody. If you are insecure in yourself, you're afraid, you are insecure, you have this thing about you that you are always thinking that you are not, you know, there is this insecurity inside of you, you will never be able to build a team. You will never be able to partner with anybody. And what does it take to be able to build a partner with people or form a team while waiting for the promise of the Almighty God? What does it take? What does it take for you to be able to say, okay, I need your, I know, I know you have a resource that I need. I know you have abilities that I need. I know you have a gift that I need. What does it take to be able to partner? My brothers and sisters, if you are going to partner with anybody, if you are going to form an alliance with anybody, if you are going to travel this journey of life with anybody to the destination that God is taking you, the first thing you must understand is that you must be confident in the call of God upon your life. In other words, you must be sure of where God is taking you. If you don't know where you are going, you can all road will lead to it. If you don't know where you are going, you will partner with the wrong set of people. If you don't know where you are going, you don't even know the kind of questions to ask. You don't even know the journey to take. If you don't know where downtown Nashville lives, if somebody is taking you and taking you to Tatanoga, you will face it. You don't even know. So for you to be able to build a team, number one, you have to be confident in the call of God upon your life. This is where God is taking me. This is what God is saying wants to do in my life. This is the direction he wants me to do. This is the vision that he's given unto me. These are the things that he wants me to do. And that's why the Bible tells us when he was talking to, to, to Moses, he said, make sure you build this particular temple according to the pattern that was shown unto you in the mountain. There's a pattern that God has for everybody. There's a pattern that he shows you. And that's why we're different. There is something he wants you to do in life. There is something that he puts in your spirit. There is something that keeps you awake at night. There is something that gets your juice flowing. There is something that motivates you. Only you know that thing. And if you are going to build a team that will take you to that particular place, you must know that particular thing. And you must be sure of it. That thing must be so real to you that when somebody else is telling you otherwise, you say, no, that's not the picture that God showed me. That's not the direction that I want to go. And that's why we're different. You must... If you are going to build a team, there has to be confidence in your calling. Number two, you have to be comfortable in your own skin. And by that I mean you have to be confident in who you are. If you are insecure, if you are not sure about the vision of God, you are not sure about where God is taking you, you are not confident in your own skin, people will come and build their own dream through you. 
They will tell you that, ah, why don't you do it like this, do it like this. You have to tell them, this is not what God showed me. This is not what God told me to do. This is not the direction he wants me to go. This is not the road he wants me to travel. You have to be comfortable in your skin. Not only that, you have to be competent in your skills. When the Lord calls you, God don't call lazy people. A lazy man cannot be a Christian. It takes power. It takes a lot of work to pray. It takes a lot of work to read the scriptures. It takes a lot of work to do the ministry. A lazy man cannot be a minister. A lazy man cannot be a preacher. A lazy man cannot do the work of God. And that is why you have to be competent in your skill. You remember the Bible tells us, you know, where Paul the Apostle was writing to Timothy. He says, study to show yourself approved. You know that what it is, it's possible for you not to know what you're doing. It is possible for you to be preaching a gospel that you don't even understand. It is possible for you to be running a race that you don't even know the destination. You need competence in your own skill if you are going to build a team. The man who will build a successful team is a man who has competence. It doesn't mean you are an expert. It just simply means that you know what you're doing or you have a good idea of what you do. Thank you very much for listening to our program today. We invite you to join us every Sunday at 10 a.m. for our Sunday worship service at 2711 Murfreesboro Road in Antioch, Tennessee. We also host Bible study and prayer meetings every Friday at 7 p.m. Visit us online at www.lifelonganointing.com and on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. Join us next time for another edition of Fresh Encounter. On behalf of Lifelong Anointing Church, we thank you for listening.